Hello and welcome to the Tech in the Hood podcast. I'm your host, Ahmed Flex Omar. Tech in the Hood is a storytelling podcast that explores the past, present, and future of Chicago's cultural identity through conversations about community and technology. When I came to the U.S. as a refugee in 2000, my story began in Chicago. I built a career in tech, starting on the West Side, which has evolved through experience in finance, social enterprise, and the non-for-profit sector. Along the way, I've learned important lessons about diversity, access, community, and the tenacity and ingenuity of the human spirit. Each week, I reconnect with the friends and mentors who have shared this journey and spotlight new voices and innovators building the future of the tech in the hood. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Uh, today I have my friend Sarah Agate from Munitask. She's the founder of Munitask and I am so pleased to have her here on the show. And I probably butchered your last name. Nah, you said it right, Flex. <laughs> Come on. We've known each other for a year, I think. I think you know it's Sarah Agate. Okay. okay, thank goodness. Thank, thank you. Thank goodness, yeah, because I was sweating a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Okay, well, first question, how did we meet? How do, how do we know each other? Go ahead. Take it, take it from here. I'll, I'll, I'll chime in. It's I been believe, a year. Yeah, it's been a year. Yeah. So anniversary. Yeah. Anniversary mm-hmm. is coming so up. So this is a, this is a cool, this is a cool friend <laughs> anniversary <laughs> podcast, there special you, edition. There you go. It was through the Israeli consulate. Exactly. And there was, was a private event. Yes. At the Chicago a, cultural, cultural museum. Mm-hmm. Chicago Cultural Center. Yeah. And <laughs> I, no, I, it's interesting for me because ironically, that's where StoryCorp was housed. And that's where I recorded over 100 Mala stories downstairs. Wow. In that same, you know, building. So. And what years were you doing that from? 2015 to 2019. Before so, COVID. Yeah, before yeah. COVID, yeah. So, yeah, so spent a lot of time in the Chicago Cultural Center. But it was really cool. We, so we met through another Sarah. Yes, you know, from the I, AJC. I, I always, yeah, exactly. I always love to love to give people props, right? Mm-hmm. Sarah Van Loon from AJC. Mm-hmm. Sarah with an H. That's I'm right. without oh, an yeah, age. Yeah, that is right. That is right. That is right. So Sarah said, you got to meet this young lady. Mm-hmm. She's in tech. That's it. That's all you need to know, Flex. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then after the after the event, we talked. We went, we, what did we do? We went to eat. Yeah. We're like, we're like, let's talk about the startup stuff. Yeah. Working you want it? You want to share a plate of food? Yeah. yeah. I love my foodie friends. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And you're a real Chicagoan. Are you originally from here? So I was born uh, at McNeil, which is now Loyola. So yeah, Ber- Berwyn. Ber- so and I grew up in Cicero. Okay. So I I, I want to be you know safe when I say this. I wasn't born in Chicago because I know how these Chicago people get. <laughs> yeah. You know I don't want someone to come after me I after this podcast. My, my, but we know my audience this. is very friendly. Mm. So. Depends on no, what side you're from. But you know, <laughs> no, someone messages. who's living, you know, 100 miles out. Okay, okay. I even, I mean, you can't say you're from Chicago. Exactly. Okay. If you, I mean, we just have to, you know, some things cannot always be in the gray. So I feel like I spent a lot of my time, my adult life mm-hmm. um, in, in, in Chicago and really feel its, its sense of community, um, you know, throughout the area. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But any Chicago stories you want to tell us? Um, Chicago stories that I want to tell you, are we off the record or, you know, we're on the record. I mean, people, it, you, you said you were born in Berwyn, but you've spent time, you know, over yeah, here. And so I went and to, you're, and you're a foodie. So yeah, yeah. I might, I went to, uh, UIC, there you, go. you know, for, so I spent a lot, like eight, nine years, uh, around the area. Cause I, I went to UIC for my bachelor's and my master's. And then I went away for a bit in DC Came back to go to law school at mm-hmm. the Chicago Kent College of Law, and, and spent a lot of time there. Um, yeah, what, what stories you want to hear? I'm, I'm like, you know. Uh, so the interesting thing is, right now you are a tech entrepreneur. Yes, a tech startup. So why why did you start a tech company here in Chicago? Why Chicago? 
Yeah, why Chicago? And I and I hope that you know the Chicago community continues to grow to support <laughs> you know founders and it's particular women founders. You know, it's mm-hmm. a different different market here compared to the coast. Really, my launching into becoming a founder um, was happened throughout COVID. So I've always been fascinated in my life with technology and innovation. Um, and so, you know, as a policy practitioner, as someone who's, you know, worked in and around healthcare and government, you know, I would just have fun keeping up with those things and, you know, being in the industry and learning what's going on. How can we connect the dots? How can we make, th- make things more efficient and effective? Mm-hmm. And I finished up my time in Springfield um, as counsel and uh was like, what am I doing next? You know, I had a personal event happen in my life that really got me thinking and reflecting. And that's when I said, you know, now, now is the time with COVID. And after what happened, I was like, I'm going to launch, try to launch this company. And that was, you know, about 14 months ago, I always thought I would become an entrepreneur. I didn't think it would be so early in my career and my life. Um, But, you know, here we are. Faith has me on the journey. And so I'm really excited to now be connecting what I feel, something I've always had an interest in. It's always been involved in my career. But Mm -hmm. now to be a businesswoman um, emerging in the space. And then name Muni Task. Oh, that's so funny. The na- the stories behind startup names or any business Finally, name. I got the stories. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Muni, you know, I was sitting around with uh, a couple of friends and Muni just comes from municipality. Okay. And a bunch of government geeks just hanging out. Ho, ho, ho. That's so cool. Let's put Muni. Well, not everyone knows, not everyone knows that word. Yeah. You know. So Usually you we like say local government. City hall, village, village. town. Yeah. Town. Yeah. Yeah. And then task came from just looking at kind of what else was happening within competitors. And so like, we rab- did. Rab- rabbit task. Yeah. One of those. Um, <laughs> and, of those and we, uh, and we just said, you know what, Muni task it is to okay. capture like the essence of, of government and try to be a cool startup. You found the domain. Yeah. That, that's also a key factor in, in where you go to get a startup <laughs> name is the domain open. And I didn't want anything like .ly, .io. .io. It's like two steps too cool for for my spaces. Are you a .com? We are a .com. Okay. Excellent. -hmm. Excellent. So idea, name. Name. Yeah. So we officially, uh, you know, incorporated last April, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, really got out in the scene just with visibility. So really putting myself out there, uh, doing a lot of pitch competitions, uh, building my team, doing a lot of customer discovery. We've talked to like over 250 organizations and government stakeholders across the board to really make sure that local or just nationwide, nationwide, yeah, nationwide, um, you know, the, the goal of Munitask is to be the intermediary bringing mm-hmm. the gig economy to government. So we like to think of ourselves now and where we're going is we are much like the partnership between um, IKEA mm-hmm. and what they did with TaskRabbit and how we are basically going to help people not do their annoying, you know, furniture assembly, but for government, because they have such a large job demand across all levels, across all skills, across the entire nation. And the workforce for the public sector, unfortunately, hasn't recovered since the, since the recession in 2008. And that's devastating as someone who's worked in and around government. Yeah. Um, government is the largest employer collectively in the world. So when we don't have enough workforce, um, you know, things, things are going to start to go wrong. So this is a decade long problem. And we think that the gig economy and government need to be connected so that we can, you know, bring a new job demand line to all the freelancers and gig workers, and then also open up and make sure that that government has um, the workers that they need. So what's the reason for the low numbers? I mean, are young people just not excited about going and working in government? I think that's part of it. Part of it. Um, okay. You know, there's different generational traits yeah. uh, that we need to pay atten- attention to. Mm-hmm. I also think that the way the future of work has changed, you know, the average person is, is switching jobs, you know, you know, two to five times within a 10 year period. Yeah. Um, and what does that mean for government and how it hires and has perks? Well, pensions. Usually you have to vest a certain number of years to collect a pension. Well, pensions, in my opinion, are going irrelevant with younger generations because of the natural changes that are happening with future of work in our modern society. So, 
you have a pension system that's not really talking to mm -hmm. generations that need to be in, in the public sector workforce. You have old, outdated staffing agency models. Um, you know, you have the the lower pay. I mean, let's just call it, you know, compared to the private sector, the pay is lower. Um, and then last, you have old tech, you know, and processes that um, are, are safeguards in a lot of ways, understandably so for government, but that are turn out to be a barrier to people getting interested and staying engaged with a career in government. Aha. Uh -huh. So that's the problem. What's the solution? The solution, we launched our beta in January and we learned... Um, What's the beta? The... <laughs> As someone who has no idea. Yeah. Well, after, after <laughs> you know, we, it's just a very low product that you put out there. You well, know, it's well just, yeah, it's just so is, so getting something beta, out in the... Does the beta come after your MVP? Yeah. What was your MVP? A no-code okay. platform. <laughs> I taught myself. I went through a fellowship, learned some no-code because as a non-technical founder, I don't have a a background in engineering or software development, um, I was like, I should learn this so that I can yeah. be ready. And, and that's what I did. And so that was iteration one. Then I had some engineers come help me out and we worked together and we got the beta. And now what mm -hmm. we realized after the launch is that um, we actually think that there's going to be more power in partnerships. So a lot of our competitors, competitors, I really don't think they're, they're competitors mm -hmm. to us in a sense, um, are siloed. And so, you know, there's not any connection, you know, to try to bring government jobs to these, I mean, there's thousands of marketplaces, hundreds of millions of people yeah. that are doing this work. Um, so we are now going to be basically kind of like in the back end. We want to be like a plug and play option to figure out, you know, what users are more likely to engage with what jobs, how do we get in front of them? So we're a job board right now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because we basically it's a database of all these jobs in, in government, but we're going to grow so that we can integrate with other gig economy platforms. So let's go back a little bit. You mentioned no code. <laughs> What'd you build that on? The actual no code uh, platform that we used to build the first uh, MVP was uh, it's called Glide Apps. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it just lets you based on what you're looking to do whip like couple of pages or a landing uh, page or yeah a little cooler than that i mean okay. we had like a whole user interface and experience that replicated some marketplaces out there That's um awesome. yeah it was a start like, hey, there's that, a thousand but, no code tools out but that's, there <laughs> but that's the point right like yeah. you gotta start you know somewhere and then get you know feedback and then go from there yeah so, so we're in our second that was second no code product. and then the beta was yeah the beta was the one that you just mentioned recently? Yeah, yeah, okay. January launch. January launch, mm -hmm. okay. So then what's next? We're, we're working on our integrations and okay. partnership development with these uh, gig economy marketplaces, so. That's yeah. massive. Yeah, it is. It's really the power is going to be in the partnerships. I think yeah. that to, to spend a lot of time and energy trying to bring users to my platform, which is, um, yeah. it takes a lot of time and, and why do it? I think we, and we don't have the time, the urgency of this mm -hmm. problem, mm -hmm. given the federal fundings that have to be basically obligated and expended by 2026, it's critical. We're in a time where, um, you know, the federal government gave unprecedented, you know, we, we're looking at like a $6.4 billion market on workforce development, and we need to make these connections now and quickly. $6.4 billion? Mm-hmm. Okay. And what organizations are getting that money? So the federal government allocates it to the states, the state allocate it to the, you know, the local and municipal and tribal governments, and then they can allocate it from there. Um, and those can be, I don't want to get too technical, yeah, but yeah, a bunch of different you, governmental you. and non-governmental agencies. Um, That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. All in the next few years, right? So this is the urgency of it that, yeah. like, you know, that I think uh, positioning as a startup Mm -hmm. allows you to really enter and do thoughtful and quick work. And that's what we're trying to do. No, absolutely. It's good to know 
all that information and those, you know, numbers that are out there. Yeah. So strategic partnerships, is that something that's really important? Right now, yeah, that's that's my focus is I want to okay. really find uh, some other uh, gig economy marketplaces to partner with and say, you know, we, let's let's bring the gig economy to government. Let, we have the job demand. It's there. Let's mm-hmm. explore what this new era is going to look like. I have no doubt in my lifetime that this will happen. Yeah. But as with anything, you know, it, it takes with government, things are different, right? Sure, sure, and sure. so um, it's just having to understand those processes. Slower. It is. It's slower. And understandably so. Yeah, yeah. Abs- 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 absolutely. I mean, I understand because in my prior work right. with Mala, you know, I had an NGO. So I spent a lot of time in D.C. And I also spent a time uh, at the U.N., you mm-hmm. know. But when I would come back to Chicago, you know, not everyone understands how government operates or the U.N. operates. And then something would happen and we're like, aren't you uh, doing something with the U.N.? Aren't you talk to someone or something yeah. like that yeah, right. doesn't work like that yeah <laughs> unfortunately if, yeah. if if we could uh make this stuff work as fast as they'll give you a parking ticket <laughs> we'd be in a different position seriously <laughs> yeah exactly ex- exactly they're quick they're quick with those parking yeah tickets. I'm like, what the uh-huh but um yeah so when i would go to uh, i was doing stuff at the UN yeah. and COVID hit, we had our UN women, you know, conferences and, and so on. Um, it, we had the option of using um, the proprietary uh, video service, you know, for the webinars and the panels and so on from the UN. And I said, absolutely not. I'm going to use Zoom because <laughs> <laughs> this is old stuff. I want to control, you know, the quality for my audience. And I also want to know who is, you know, um, in the audience, you know. So they're like, ah, no, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, guys, your stuff is old. I mean, and if anyone from the UN is listening, like, <laughs> not nah, upgrade. <laughs> yeah. I'm no longer part of the UN, so I can give honest, honest feedback, yeah. you know, because you you have to uh, build platforms that appeal to the next, you know, generation, right? I mean, government tends to be behind disruption. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of other businesses and uh, ind- uh, industries, it's, it's changing, mm-hmm. you know, and technology is just, especially after COVID. Yeah. COVID just right. put us into the... You know, right f- uh future and yeah. with uh flex tech you know people are like oh flex tech ai tell us about the artificial intelligence you're working on i'm like none like, what do you mean i'm like it's applied intelligence mm-hmm. yeah you have to yeah well we still got to use your brain and then we're going to integrate and build you a tech stack right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and let you know what tools actually work you know for your company for your business right because technology is supposed to enable mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Right. And not, you know, you just build technology for no for no for no reason. I mean, one of my mentors, you know, said, hey, don't wait, you know, to build, you know, something. Nobody cares about your technology. Nobody cares. Is it saving someone money mm-hmm. or time? Right. You know, so when you're building any solution, literally, this was ex- his exact words. He said, go ghetto. Yeah. So I've. Wow. So that's yeah, I mean, I can give you an example. It's one of your guideposts. <laughs> I'm just saying, with the tech in the hood, you know, sign. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't wait. I didn't wait for it to be perfect. Yeah, you we know, can't. Started off with a landing page, image, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the MailChimp connected on the back, mm-hmm. you know, and that's it. Yeah. I can send messages to people. Okay, wait list. What's next? Yeah. Okay, next thing is we put together the media, you mm-hmm. know, player and we build the back end, but it's still, you know, one page. So I'm going to build that, you know, uh, slowly. Yeah. But the important thing is I'm on all these distro, you know, channels now, right? On on Apple, on yeah. Spotify, on Google Podcasts and so on. So SEO is working. That's that's the important thing. Like just get started and, you know, keep keep going you know it's definitely it's definitely a long term game when you're working with government we have to really de-risk the innovation to them and understand that rightfully there are rules and regs and policies in place um for a balance right For, for for a lot of reasons however that can stunt you know being able to rapidly adopt technology and other things and so Th- this 
bringing, bringing, you know, the gig economy to government or bringing Zoom to government, you yeah. know, something that simple takes time, takes time but yeah. it's important. It's really imperative. And that's why I took a step outside because mm -hmm. I figured that being within government, I, with my law and policy background, I wasn't going to be able to effectuate change in a way that would make sense. And so I took a step outside of it mm -hmm. to, to, to build what, what we're building, which is, you know, trying yeah. to build, have the right product market fit so that when we're ready to integrate with our different government customers, um, it's easy. Yeah. It's de-risked. It makes sense to a constituent. It makes sense to an elected or appointed official. It makes sense to an HR person. It makes sense to a front desk person. Everybody in this stakeholder ecosystem matters. Um, and that's what I love. So it's, it's fun, but I know that, um, you it's know, a lot of work. it's a lot of work, but yeah. you know, so who do you pitch? Right. I mean, is there, so for me, when I'm pitching my services, you know, I go talk to CTOs and yeah. you know, CF, CFOs, right. You know, people are like, Oh, this is, uh, this is, this we is need what flex we need. tech, yeah, you know, we yeah. Need flex tech, right? Pretty direct line. So, so who who do you go to in government? Like in government, a lot of our conversations have been with um, because you know this is a workforce gap. So naturally, yeah, people yeah, think yeah. workforce and they think of HR, human okay. resources individuals. So we have been talking with them to understand the needs and the problems. Um, we've also been talking to like uh, administrators or executive directors, depending on if we're talking to you know a municipal government versus a park district. Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of nuances, but executive directors, municipal administrators, um, sometimes, you know, people on the boards as well. Uh, so talking to, we've, we've been doing a lot of customer discovery across all of them. And yeah. ultimately you need to know <laughs> as well who the procurement officer is and who the CFO is. Yeah, so yeah. those are important people because they're the ones who are going to be like on the technical, making sure that things are done and we get it through. Um, but you know, gov, you know, gov tech, and that's a word that I think holds a lot of stigma oftentimes, especially in the startup ecosystem, yeah. you know, oh, gov tech. So, um, you know, I'm mindful of when I use that word gov tech, because we're B2G and B2B. Uh, but it's, it's about understanding the ecosystem and the stakeholders, because just because I could go to somebody and I know the stakeholders in Chicago, or in Cook County doesn't mean it's going to be the sa same in LA County. Mm -hmm. It could it could be different. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's different. Or yeah. you know, even in a small town, culture culture's different, history's different, community makeup is different. Yeah, you know, yeah. So there's but, a lot of things. Yeah, and there's over thirty three thousand local governments in the U S. So naturally, they're going to be a little bit different. It's a lot of government. It's a lot, right? Yeah. Largest employer in the world. We can't take that lightly. So if we have a workforce gap. We need I mean, to we fix hear, it. We hear B to C. We hear B to B. You don't hear B to G. What's up, G? <laughs> <laughs> so are you, you know, talking to students as well? Like who would who would be the folks that would pick up these gig economy jobs? Well, how we have it launched right now is, you know, getting the seasonal workforce up there. So that's through a lot of park departments or park and recs. It depends on um, the state and, mm -hmm. and if they're uh, legally you know, allowed to form park districts or just have a park department under their local government. But, you know, for a lot of seasonal work, it tends to be either, you know, the basically 15 to 25 year old mm -hmm. group, and then usually retirees engaging in, you know, the seasonal workforce. So those jobs are like lifeguards, camp counselors, park mm -hmm. maintenance, pool maintenance, on and on and on. So the way we have it now as a point of entry was with Parks and Rec, because we believe that those are the jobs that most easily can translate, yeah. have the path of least resistance to becoming a more gig economy focus. So there's no AI that's going to take those jobs, no robots. <laughs> I'm just saying. I word, mean, I think word, we, I think we word, have. On our next segment on word on the street. <laughs> I think that, yeah, the government, uh, has to even just tackle handling and, and drafting privacy rules and regulations before they even get into AI. So it's like way beyond. Say, so, hey, I mean, that's the move. You know? <laughs> look, at, look at these government jobs. AI is not coming for it. Not yet, at least. Yet. I mean, there's some cool tech out there, like policy writing technology, basically, you know, yeah. that's like it can write certain policies for you. But still, like even if a legislature were to adopt or pilot out a policy writing technology, there's for sure going to be a policy 
practitioner or counsel yeah. who's going to review it and read yeah. it. I mean, it's it's just natural. <laughs> so this is what I say about AI. It's not going to take our jobs. You know, it's going to eliminate certain jobs, but it's also going to create new jobs. That's what technology does. But for me, you know, AI tools are like having a great intern, right? So I've been using Slack for a long time, since mm -hmm. 2015. I yeah. built my non-for-profit to it when Slack was in Mala. beta. Yeah. Slack bot. <laughs> yeah, we, we have, there's a lot of Slack support tools legit. out there. Slack bot was, it was legit. I mean, I can check, check the cheapest flight, you know, check different things. And then when you API, you know, different uh, tools that different you're using. You yeah, so I just tell Slack bot. It's yeah, great assistant. I think there's a lot of tools for support. Yeah, and it's it's not something I would say that we should be afraid of, but we should be curious about, and ultimately yeah. have a sense of humor about. I mean, that's 100%. you know we have to laugh at all this stuff as well because. Um, or how know, many years we've been saying that technology is going to take over people's? Jobs. I just love the movies that come out that really show that. I'm yeah. excited, you know, to see like robot friends and you know robot my friends. you you know like I love when you go to the uh, the sushi. There's a few sushi restaurants yeah. in the area where you can go and they have like the robots that bring yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. I love that, you know? No, it's, I mean, it's, it's entertaining. It's fun, yeah. yeah. So. Speaking of movies, I did watch Glass Onion. Oh, it's funny, right? Yeah, I think I watched that on a flight or something. And I was, well, why did we talk about that? Why did I bring up Glass Onion? I think we were talking about protecting your idea. Oh, that's on the napkin? On, yeah. Yeah. And the ideas on the napkins. I think, yeah, I think if, uh, I feel like maybe that would be a good problem for me if someone thought that, my idea on the napkin, like they wanted to yeah. take it, right? But I don't but not fit every, But not everyone thinks like that, right? So are you the entrepreneur that it's like, I will send you an NDA in order for us to have this meeting about my work? I have used NDAs okay. in the business so far, but it's not uh, necessary in every situation. Yeah. But, you know, especially when you're working with certain people, it is. I mean, you need to protect. Mm -hmm. I tell that to a lot of different founders and people I meet. Um, it's important to protect yourself and your business. I mean, this in a lot of ways is blood, sweat and tears for many of us. I yeah. mean, I've been bootstrapped the, the entire time. And I know plenty of founders that are like that. So I don't, I, I just feel like that that's my contribution in this space is to still use my lawyer mind is to still say, hey, these are things you should care about. Mm -hmm. um, although, you know, I'm not fully practicing right now because <laughs> it's, it's, right. it's not, it's right. there's not enough hours in the day, but it's all right. Once upon a time. So what does 2023 look like for you? 2023, I'm really excited. You know, we're going into an election year and I think that there's a mm. lot of opportunity to, you know, we're building right now partnerships and curiosity channels. When it comes to government, we're being thought leaders and action leaders. And so what I mean by that is, you know, we recently had an article that, you know, uh, had Muni Task in it. It's the National Rec and Park Association. It's the number one association for parks and rec in the nation. And, you know, it's talking about gig economy and government, and that's great. And so we have a number of other spaces that we're in to move the needle because we know it's going to take time. But that, you know, we have a lineup. So there'll be something coming out from us, you know, every month for the rest of the year about thought leadership mm -hmm. and really engaging the ecosystem and, and different people because there's a lot of people like me who are in government. There's a huge workforce of, of millennials. The boomers are, are heading out, and we are assuming – you know, we meaning they who are still on the ground, <laughs> assuming these leadership roles. And so it's not crazy when they're like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, the gig economy could work for us. In fact, they need support. They want support. So when I'm talking to like my peer group, it's understandable. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm positive about this will happen in our lifetime because the leaderships are going to evolve over time and we're going to continue to build these curiosity channels. And I like to call it that because it's about opening people's minds. It's about thinking differently. Mm -hmm. um, and that's sometimes hard to do when you're just like on that public servant grind. You can yeah. get jaded, right? You, got, you, you establish your 10-year pension in certain you know, age groups and you're just like riding it out. And in other cases, you're not. And there's nothing wrong with either way. But you, you, if you can inspire curiosity in people, that's a form where you can have a dialogue. Yeah. And, story, and you, storytelling, right? Yeah. And you know your diplomatic background my background, mm -hmm. you know, it, it really is about opening up dialogue. For sure. Yeah. Speaking of dialogue, are there podcasts that you enjoy apart from this one? I love, you know, I, I switch between um, podcast and um, my 
library. So like I like to use Hoopla and Libby and Canopy um, through my local public library. I am really into, um, I love like the Bloomberg government, the Bloomberg finance, like these eight, 10 minute bits that you get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, there's this other one, you know, let's just open it up because let's see what I listened to recently. First 100, I think. Um, first 100 what? It's uh, my first 100K. It's a finance okay. um, podcast. Oh, like the first 100K yeah. that I fundraised? Yeah. Okay. So what do I see That's here? interesting. Yeah, and then I, you know, oh, Nutrition Diva. I have been listening to this for over a decade. Yeah. You know, I love Nutrition Diva. I'm going to tag them all. Yes. Like, it's great. And there's, there, Nutrition Diva is so great. It's made me a healthier person all these years. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. I love it. You know? Keep, like, go, keep going. This is helping my SEO. <laughs> your SEO. All right, we'll keep going. There's another one called Un Your Brain. I didn't swear there. <laughs> okay. Um, I have the NCSL, which is a National Council of State Legislatures, which is a great resource. We get a lot of our research from there. Um, and then your money briefing, and some you know some legal ones you know that are okay. you know I'm still a lawyer inside, and I really like to deep keep up. Down. With, yeah, deep down. And take the lawyer. Yeah, so I have my notes here. We signed a disclaimer yeah. and an NDA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The prep was interesting too. Marketplace Tech is a great one. And then okay. Let's Talk Parks. So those are just like my my main ones that I'm... There's some good ones. Yeah. Yeah. That I, that I rotate with, you know. For when sure. I'm running or at the beach or trying to pretend that I don't want someone to talk to me because I'm like, I'm in thought. So are you a person that binges? podcasts or how do you listen to podcasts i read about two to three books a month and then in between that like when i'm like oh i just need a break from reading audible or like actual both books. so I, okay. I i usually do like i split it in thirds i have an yeah. ebook yeah, yeah. an audiobook and a paperback okay okay and i switch between them so i love reading what days? i guess since i'm not practicing law every day As reading see, contracts I'm collecting my survey right now <laughs> what days of the week do you listen to podcasts probably the weekend okay you know like on a yeah. you know i'll just like have it on and for yeah, sure yeah for sure i'm more monday a monday podcast person Mo motivation monday yeah. yeah. I, or I, sometimes I call it a manic Monday. <laughs> I love Mondays. Yeah. Or meatless Monday. You know, that was a public health campaign way back that I was really I, into. I, I remember. I remember that. You know, so another question. I yeah. mean, as a woman of color, what mm -hmm. any pressing, you know, challenges that you that you face? Yeah, I think, you know, I I'm definitely can fall into that category. It depends on the spaces I'm in. You know, mm -hmm. I, I come from a Mexican and Sicilian background. And so I think it just depends on who's looking at you. Uh, most spaces that I have to say I'm in are predominantly where I'm going to look different. I'm not going to look like, uh, you know, the average, the average people that are often in the spaces um, that I'm in. So I think that... Um, it, do you do you want to hear my take on like as it relates to startup the law as like it relates to startups, startup and right? tech is it hard for you to find mentors that look like you like what what challenges that you face on a personal level I think it's I think it is challenging to find you know I have mentors you know I've, I've had a you know decent long career so far i mean yeah. one that i'm proud of and so it's not for lack of mentors it's lack of people that are going to sponsor you mm -hmm. that are mm -hmm. you know money comes down to money or getting yeah. you a seat at the table and sometimes and most of the times i have to ask or you have to go out and be active about it um so i think that it's about using your voice so the challenge is using your voice and using it enough and being persistent and getting across uh, to the right people. But again, if these spaces that you don't know exist or are not uh, able to access because you can't get a ticket or because you can't yeah. afford $250 for a membership or this and that, right? Because bootstrapping means there is a budget, you have limits, and you're trying to run a company. And um, and so I think that that's the biggest challenge is just mm -hmm. getting in the spaces, you know, asking for what you need because quite honestly, you're not always going to be invited. Yeah. And I, I don't always think that that's intentional. I think that it's a systemic problem that we have to actively, actively,
be putting in our forefront. I'm going to an event. Am I bringing a woman with me? Am I giving tickets away to these types of people mm -hmm. because their voices matter because they need to be here? Um, so I carry that with me as as a leader. Sure. Um, but I think that, you know, it's it's not always, not everybody shares that value where it's carried. So you got to figure out ways to get in. No, absolutely. So again, going back to the way we met, right? Yeah. Israeli consulate you did you win an award through that oh yeah so yeah. I that was my first competition literally two weeks like after I had Munitas became a thing and you know super I mean yeah. I think we're scrappy now but back then I was like that was some ish right there like whoa <laughs> just um <laughs> so uh, you know, I had met the Illinois Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and then Tech Rise. Yeah, you know, we got to give him a shout out. 1871. What's the, what's the owner's name? Of who's Hispanic. the CEO of yeah. uh, Jaime? Jaime, yeah. Yeah. I know Jaime. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> um, Latin Latinx Tech Week Tech Week is actually next week. They're one of the sponsors. That's happening oh. next week. So every evening there's going to be like different events. I'll make a note to. Yeah, attend. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff. I'll send you that. It's been a while since I've seen Jaime. Yeah. Great guy. Yeah. So they, they have, you know, so they did this with the consulate, this social impact mm -hmm. competition. Someone said, Sarah, you should apply. Yeah. And I said, oh, I don't you even have. You doing that for two weeks. Well, with, with the true, like <laughs> honing in on the problem, like we didn't have a product, you know, this was pre-product. This was yeah. really idea on napkin. You know, you're talking March of last year. Domain? Um, uh, yeah. Okay. But it so was on legit. it if was on some on some no code platform. I mean, I didn't matter. You got your domain. You got you're good. I think. Well, I think also the measure of a business though yeah. flex and why I'm, I'm trying to be clear about it is that, you know, business has to make money. It has to be profitable. And I'm not there yet. You know, as we're sitting here, we're well, pre-revenue. But, you know, and so last March we were it, just idea on napkin and yeah. someone said, Sarah, you should apply because it is social impact. How driven. many companies though in Silicon Valley get funded and don't make money for years? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just call a spade a spade. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Oh, yeah. don't, don't start talking poker now. Because uh, I got my we, lessons are we, are tonight. Are we going to talk about poker? Yeah. I have my lessons tonight at about, seven. Tell me about that. Um, Okay, I will, right after we finish <laughs> the point about the competition. Sure. So that was my first competition okay. ever. It was great. I mean, to have that experience, for sure, nervous. Um, and what was yeah. what I really appreciate about certain pitch competitions, and yeah. I know people are like, there can only be one winner. Not everybody can be a winner. You get A's or you fail. But I really appreciate in, in the startup ecosystem, as being a founder, you put there's a lot of time and energy that goes into preparing for a pitch competition, and that's taking away from other things. So I have appreciated those competitions that give everybody something. It might not be the big pop, but like you gave me $2,000. You gave me $1,000. Like, yeah. thank you for at least being mindful that it took me time, energy, and p potentially travel, lodging, et cetera, to get here. Sure. You know, um, so yeah, and I got to meet um, Osvaldo from Connect Care Hero and Science Speak and some really other amazing companies um, that are my peers that I look up to and that are ahead of me um, and, and really doing great social impact in the world. So, and who gave the funding for that? That was all of the the partners. I remember ABC Seven was there too, yeah. um, and it was, it was so it was TechRise, the Illinois Hispanic Chamber, the you know the General Council of, Is of Israel to the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Um, in 1871, it was those four partners that made it happen. So yeah. was that a good confidence boost after that? I don't, I wouldn't say confidence boost, yeah. but it was an awakening. It was okay. like, all right, this is, you just put it out there. It's, real. it's out there. <laughs> it's out there. In the it's universe. real. And so I, I've, you know, it was just like, you're going, yeah. you got to walk the walk now. Okay. So. And we're walking it months later. <laughs> I love those, though, the pitch competitions and uh, hackathons. You know, oh, I love things. hackathons. Yeah. I know I want to participate in the MIT has a grand health hackathon that's coming up. Oh. Uh, so you got to travel to Boston to do You it? would, yeah. although the first one I participated in was virtual because it was during COVID. Okay. The coolest, ha one of the coolest hackathons I ever participated in because I thought it was so multidisciplinary. There were yeah. practitioners, there were technologists, there were policy, there were lawyers. Well, those and are I said, the best. 
That's how we solve problems. And if you look at my team, my team is intergenerational. We are diverse. We have different skill sets. And we're all centered on the values of, you know, we stay curious, we work hard, and we know that we're out to do a public good. And like with those guiding principles, I mean, I I just love it. So, yeah, changing it up over here. (laughs) All right. CEO. Back is, that, to, is that the correct title? CEO? I mean, yeah, and the legal documentation. The legal that's what documentation. I mean. I, you know, I founder is what most people say. And then, you know, every once in a while I still, you know, I'm like Sarah. All right. You know, Sarah. Sarah from the block. Yeah, I haven't I haven't thought of my <laughs> poker name yet though. Oh, that's right. You know. That's right. Like, so now we get we can talk about the poker. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. So I'm, I uh, did the poker lessons. It was through like, um, oh my gosh. And, you know, Get Cities and Tech Rise. And then the sponsoring law firm was, um, I'm going to, I'm going to blank on it right now. You know, it's some couple of people's last names. <laughs> and, uh, and I just really was, was, I walked out of there like, wow, this is a confidence booster. I had never really I mean, you know, people are going to think right now gambling, but poker is one of the few games that actually can require skill. And ultimately what poker power, the organization that is striving to train 100 or 1 million women Mm -hmm. to be at the poker table. It's about, you know, basically, you know, understanding risk, asserting yourself, building confidence. Mm. And, you know, if winning money and having fun is a part of the ride, then why not? So um, because I asked... They said, yeah, come and take lessons on us. And that's what I've been doing. And I've loved it. And I see how it's influencing uh, my life in different ways in just like the last four weeks. So that's really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. I like it. So have you been to any poker tournaments? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't have time for poker tournaments, but I can see myself in the future doing some charity, charity tournaments. And I think that the skills can be, you know, have personal and professional benefits. And now I joke with with my cousins I'm like so I'm gonna come to the poker games and they're like ha ha and um but yeah you know a lot of a lot of times who's at the table in poker even and where does business get done let's be real about this flex business is done I don't golf. not during the don't zoom meetings me. I don't golf okay but not golf what about pickleball I like pickleball pickleball you know what else there's a lot of stuff I'm being in the bar with your with your you know with your friends, like business is done. And w- if women are not in these spaces and yeah. it's women's history month, it's true. It's, true. it's not done when it's the real meeting, like yeah, the yeah. board meeting, you know, the deposit, like whatever yeah. it is, business yeah. is not done there. It's done yeah, in yeah, all yeah. of these other spaces. It's Absolutely. a code switch. Absolutely. Again, that's what I say about spaces. If you're not behind the scenes, if you're not in those spaces, you do not have access. You are not, um, you, there's a lot missing. So I think, uh, golf, poker, we can name a lot of them. I Tennis. Sponsor, I sponsored Midwest Fashion Week, and I, I love that for, for years. But for me, it was a different, you know, networking opportunity yeah. for people to come in, network around fashion, around mm-hmm. you know, style, and through uh, fashion. I mean, there's photography, there's all all sorts models. of models. Yeah, artists, models. Yeah, yeah people abs- love models, right? Abs- hey, look. <laughs> I have nothing against models. Some of <laughs> I don't either. Best, some of my best friends. Models are, are professionals. Are models. They should They're be treated as such. Absolutely. Absolutely. And some of the sweetest human beings, you know. And for me, it there, there was a social impact component mm-hmm. you know, as well because um, we, we would get a lot of kids, you know, that were picked on, you know, for their looks and so on. The parents will run to us and then, you know, teach them different uh yeah. s- skill uh skills and you know but again bullying even is horrible bullying yeah. is the worst the cyber yeah. bullying the yeah. bull- i mean it's just and now it's gone you know with social media and yeah you know all, all of all of that so yeah when these kids come to us yeah let's uh teach you something cool and fun you know but most models want to be on the runway and then i yeah gotta break people's hearts and tell them that's not where the money is yeah yeah, there's yeah, a lot yeah. of it's like flow from progressive, you know, what, what product are you selling? It's a business. <laughs> yeah. You know, so all, all of a sudden we're like, oh, OK, you do are selling you, a product. Yeah. Take acting classes. Why do I need to take acting classes if I'm going to be, you know, a model? And I'm mm-hmm. like, you still got to sell a product. Yeah. 
it's just it's I, just the way it is. And if you get into acting and you get, you know, on a show or something, a lot easier to get modeling, you know, gigs, you know. So it was it was cool because that was some something interesting and different for me because I don't I don't come from a fashion, you know, pack, uh, yeah. b- a b- a background. I enjoy I enjoy fashion, but yeah. you know, right now it's pandemic fashion week lululemon oh okay yeah that's funny (laughs) so you're still in the pandemic fashion (sighs) wear the athleta leisure right that's right that's right it's just chilling chilling now you know things have changed but there was a time when it was like flex was all suits suits and ties every day cufflinks (laughs) movados cufflinks get expensive you know did you have an earring. I don't, no, I don't know. I don't no know you earrings. pre-pandemic. No, so no, like. no, 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 no earrings, you know. So, and question for you, what advice would you give, you know, young women that are interested in entrepreneurship? I think young women, I think really, you know, protect your, your, your well-being, mm-hmm. your self-care, your mental health. And that's for all women. Um, that's something that I've had to be really intentional about, really try to understand um, and, and invest in. Investing in my well-being is critical to the success of anything I do. Um, and so that, that is the advice I have. And then also make decisions and understand what that means for your financial future. I think we don't talk about well-being and like, you yeah. know, health well-being, like your physical right. and mental well-being enough, and then financial well-being. And those yeah. are two journeys that I have had learned and have come across as a storm for me. And then I see a rainbow and I'm like, wow, but it's been a journey. And I sit here today and think if I had known that 10 years earlier, if someone had guided me or I had that knowledge, what would I have done differently? So oh, yeah. I just think those two topics in general, um, you know, thinking about your financial well-being, what that means, um, and then also taking care of of your mental and physical health because, you know, it's important. I think it's just so important. So what does Sarah do for self-care? Oh, well, I love to be outdoors and, you know, physical activity, pickleball. I like to go work out, lift weights, run. Um, I try to stay stay active. Um, That's awesome. And, and, you know, I think picnicking is fun too. You know, I tell people like picnicking is a physical activity you're eating in the park. You have to, um, so those kind of things. For sure. So how can people get in touch with you? I think the best way to get in touch with me would be to email me, um, you know, Sarah at Munitas.com. And, you know, we're going to be making our LinkedIn post because we are now in the Chicago Inno March Madness bracket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going until uh, April 2nd. So we're in the first tier. So you have until Sunday to vote. Um, So it's 64 companies, and then that'll move down and keep getting smaller and smaller. And I think it's um, there's so many amazing Chicago-based startups that are here. And quite honestly, this week when I found out that we we actually (laughs) – that, you know, we actually made it, how did, how did you find out? Like, what was the process? Or the advisor who, that I have on, on our team. Nominated he, you? Yeah. Oh, and he awesome. And he was like, you're in. And I was like, oh, wow. And I didn't develop a campaign around it. You know, there's a lot of things that you can't always do. So now, yeah. you know, I have friends that are going to help me, you know, get the vote out. But you voted for me already. Yeah, we absolutely. got our people here in the studio. My new friends <laughs> are going to vote for me. <laughs> my human AI did yeah. so as well. I, I texted him. You, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So, um, so yeah, so we have that. So we'll, uh, put that, put that in a link. It's going to April 2nd. That's going to give us a lot of visibility. You know, we know that this whole, um, company that we're building, like the gig economy and government, they're two huge, big sectors, but I have to go step by step. And so anybody who wants to work with us, who's passionate about making a public impact, um, you know, who has talent and skills to share with us. You know, we're a small team. So a lot of my team has been volunteer-based so far, which sure, sure. because they're committed to the vision. Um, uh, so email us, connect with us on TikTok. You know, I'm going to do my TikTok in the studio here today. Okay. Um, and I'm excited for that. We launched actually on Valentine's Day and we've been going for a month and I have a few ambassadors, former uh, public sector seasonal workers that have been helping me lead the way. And, um, you know, if anybody, you know, knows somebody who wants to invest in Munitest, who really cares about what we're doing, yeah. you know, reach out and we're looking for partnerships. 
right? Not just any investor, investors that are aligned, aligned. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Long-term partners. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That we, we have a criteria, you know, we're not just taking anybody or talking to anybody. Yeah, not, not anybody's money. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, it looks like, you know, there's going to be a lot of ch- challenges, but, you know, the opportunities, you know, are there as we, you know, talk they about. Are. So. And there has to be, you know, this, it's about timing too. Like I've mm-hmm. said with a lot of different pieces of legislation that I've been a part of, whether drafting or advocating for, you know, yeah. they have been in the pipeline for sometimes for decades or years. And the timing of when something has to move, I say this a lot about telehealth. There's many, many stakeholders. Let's move. You know? And then what happened with pandemic? Telehealth took off, but yeah, there had been but people. It took, the, it took the pandemic to expose. And then for yeah. government to get on. So I. I really look at this, you know, going back to the well-being, mm-hmm. you know, this is a product. I'm trying to put a product out there. I'm trying to make a difference. And so having kind of that separation that, yes, I'm pouring my heart into it and all my, my mental energy that I can, Yeah. that, you know, looking at the journey, knowing that it's going to evolve, that it's making me change for the better and become a better person and meet you and meet so many other amazing people that had I stood on the track of like, just lawyering and in my space, I wouldn't be here. So for me, it's a blessing. So thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, and I'm honored. Thank I know, you for- I know, we're gonna have a great friendship moving forward. So uh, yes, I can't wait till we do the the AR metaverso. Yeah. Oh, oh, the- oh, yeah, yeah. So before I let you go, any governments you know that are doing any metaverse stuff? Yeah. Oh, okay. funny. Yeah, <laughs> that's a joke, right? No, I'm serious. I, I know a couple, I would say there's a few governments that actually have chief innovation officers. It's yeah. kind of like a newer title. And I mean, I think it's really cool. I have a friend who's a CIO out in California. Um, but I think, you know, some parks and rec, actually, there's a couple of vendors in the parks and rec space that are trying to bring AR and VR yeah. to parks and rec to get kids engaged that they're adopting yeah. those things. So, you know, it's trickling in, tell, in different tell, ways. Tell them about FlexTech. I will. Yeah, hook a brother up. I will. Appreciate you. Make the connections. That's what we do. Thank you so much for today, Flex. It's my pleasure. I'm so proud of you. Oh, I'm proud of you too. Thank you. All right, more to come. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Tech in the Hood. It's an honor to have you along for this journey. And I hope you tune in next week. Tech in the Hood is recorded in Ravenswood at the Chicago Podcast Studio. If you want to hear more, you can help by leaving an honest review of Tech in the Hood wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow us on social media at Tech in the Hood.